are empowered by lay-driven leadership, connecting lay ministries and business people to share Christ in the marketplace in support of the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Hello, and welcome back to our ASI Virtual Spring Conference. We're excited to have you back with us, and we're so grateful that we can all be in this together. But before we begin, I'm going to ask Brian if you would have opening prayer for us. All right, let's bow our heads. Well, Father in heaven, as we live in these uncertain times with so much going on in our world, we're just thankful that we can come apart and just rest a little bit by being inspired and uh, by looking to your word. This afternoon, as we uh, review the presentations, as we hear these powerful testimonies, we just pray and invite that your Holy Spirit will be here. And although we can't all be together, we just pray that you will bring us to a spirit of unity and that we might feel that we are one body around the world and across this great land as we deal with this present crisis. Thank you for the closeness of the Savior in each of our lives. May he be very near. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we are so glad to be with you. And I have two co-hosts with me. And it's not very often that I get the privilege of co-hosting with my husband. So, Denzel, thank you for being with us today. It's good to be here. Oh, it's good to have you beside me. (laughs) And also our good friend, Dr. Brian Schwartz. Well, thank you very much. Glad I could be a part of this with you. Oh, we're glad to have you here. You know, I'm just curious, how did this all take place that we had to go virtual like we're doing, Denzel? You know, we're, we were very disappointed when we couldn't go to our spring meetings. And uh, so we tried, we, decided to, we tried to decide what to do. And we decided that the best thing we could do is try to come together in a virtual uh, meeting to be able to experience the fellowship of being together not together as far as physically together, but together spiritually of one accord and hearing great messages and testimonies together. So a team got together. Steve led the team with uh, the hard work of Hunt, of Andy Huntsinger and uh, Rodney Booth and the other team members. They were able to, we spent a lot of time working together to uh, bring this uh, weekend, weekend uh, to fruition. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of work. It's a lot of of behind the scenes mm-hmm. and we're grateful for that but we're also grateful for 3ABN yes. because they have been partnering with us and this uh, opportunity to share with you you know we've been hearing a lot about um, social distancing and social distancing I told my husband <clears throat> what I would like to social distance from is the world as far as worldly things Mm -hmm. i want to get closer to jesus and i i have rededicated my life to jesus because i want to see him come really soon and i'm sure that's your desire too that you want to see jesus come and we have a lot of exciting things planned this afternoon lots of great um, members in action and also we're going to have beautiful music but uh I am grateful that we can be together in this time because isn't that what it says in times like these? Absolutely. It's an amazing time to be alive in this world at this time in this world's history. 
And I think one thing to point out as we see the music is to recognize that some of these programs have been pre-recorded. Mm -hmm. And so when there's a lot of young people gathered together, um, this actually was recorded before um, this COVID virus so that we still are keeping our space. All the camera people are still wearing masks and we're doing everything we can to be careful. We are, but we're glad that we can work together and be careful at the same time. Well, we do have music, and we're looking forward to the music that we are going to hear right now. I want to go to heaven. Hey, guys, just finished putting together this song, I Want to Go to Heaven. I thought I'd give you a backstory to it. It's a song where here at Fountain View Academy, we come together every Friday and bring in the Sabbath, and it just talks about how we truly want to go to heaven and we can't wait to be with Jesus. But due to COVID-19, we weren't able to finish this project how we had planned. But because it means so much to each one of us, including the students, we decided to have them send in a video of them singing it so that we could all be a part of it and come together and just remember how much we truly want to go to heaven and can't wait for that day. So we hope you're blessed. Sometimes I think I can stay here 
bite-sized talks is a platform for people who are passionate about food maybe you're a foodie maybe you're a nutritionist dietitian a cook and you see how your faith is driving you to use food to impact your community bite-sized talks really provides a platform for us to learn what food can do for the human body how it can impact current diseases that are weighing upon whole societies and countries and how what we can do cannot just be a business that's self-sustainable that's innovative but also that opens doors for faith and to be able to share with others the hope that we find in Christ. Bite Size Talk is a one-day faith-based food entrepreneurship conference where we inspire and equip and educate uh, people in the food space. We have vendors that are sharing the different food products that they have. We have different speakers who are talking about food, faith, and business. But not only that, we also have people try amazing food throughout the day. And so we have cooking demos, food demos, and all the above to get people the experience of what a uh, faith-based food conference is about. And so it's a very creative way to do it, and I really like what they're doing here because they got people from all different types of the food business, whether it's corporate consulting, or they own a restaurant, or they own a catering business, or they're a doctor. Like I like that they're pretty much telling you how you can use all sorts of different platforms to help people through food. And who doesn't love food? Um, in Alabama, I work as a nurse, and I see a lot of people who need a lot of help. They have a bunch of lifestyle diseases, and so much of their lifestyle diseases can be attributed to how they eat. And so I want to come here to learn how I can um, help them learn how to eat better, how to live better. And so that's what we're learning here at Bite Size Talks, hearing how others um, have done this and are doing this and the new ideas they have, the new businesses that they're implementing. And I'm just trying to see how, as a nurse, how I can better and impact my community for, for the best. It is just really eye-opening. I'm learning so many things, as well as giving myself reminders on what Christ would have us do. They talked about um, having a ministry, no matter what you're doing in life, where we can share Christ's love, and we can do so, so through the health message. It, it's enlightening to know that a lot of times people think, well, I can't eat right, or I can't exercise, or I can't get my rest because I'm so busy. But when you prioritize your life, you can do exactly what is needed so that you would have optimum health. And when you have optimal health, then you can share Christ's love, share other things about the health message. I don't know who came up with this concept, but I guess it's been three years and it's just been wonderful and I'm so happy to be here. And next year, you should join us too. Well, that was a very inspiring video, and it's actually making me hungry. Um, but one of, the, one of the favorite things about ASI that I really enjoy every year are the members in action seg segments. And we're going to start that off um, with a video or a Skype interview that Dr. Andy Huntsaker is having with OSTAP, who has a ministry called Build and Restore. Now more than ever, our world is full of hungry, hopeless, and hurting people. We can see an increasing need for restoration in the lives of every family. Many people are looking for truth. We have the opportunity to go and to reach them. We have the privilege of sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. Build and Restore International is a nonprofit supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
that was established to seek the lost, restore the broken, care for the needy, the poor, and to train up the next generation. The mission is to lead people closer to Jesus Christ and his saving truths by providing hands-on training, discipleship, meaningful acts of service, mentoring, teaching, and leadership training. The ministry seeks to partner with ordinary people who love the Lord and want to make a difference to reach others for his kingdom. People who want to be the light of the world by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, as is written in Isaiah 58:12, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Build and Restore desires to engage both young and old in mission projects, acts of kindness, health education, lifestyle counseling, community building projects, and evangelism. Volunteers are involved in building and restoring schools, orphanages, churches, lifestyle centers, retreat centers, residences, and more. The ministry also provides training resources to conduct public and personal evangelism. The vision is to equip others in sharing the gospel of Jesus and to establish a cycle of evangelism around the world to provide a place of worship and Christian education for children and adults in every community. From Sacramento to South Africa, Asia, South America, Central America, and beyond, Build and Restore facilitates life-changing mission experiences. Your support and donations fuel the mission to build and restore the old waste places and to give hope to the sick, helpless, poor, and needy, improving the quality of their lives as people overcome addictions, restore broken families, and recover their overall physical health, sharing faith through action. Join an upcoming project to experience the transformative power of God. We are very blessed to have the president and director of the Build and Restore Ministry with us today, OSTAP. And OSTAP, welcome to our program, and thank you for sharing with us today. Ostap, you're from the Ukraine, and you came to this country and saw that God had a, a call in your life, and you started Build and Restore Ministry. I want to know, tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that and what you saw when you came to this country. Coming to America as an immigrant, having you know so much abundance, Really, the Lord put a burden on my heart to see how can I share what he has given to me. And we have so much to be thankful for. And so mm -hmm. that burden became something that grew into the desire to go and to share with others around the world. Amen. There was a quote in the video that really touched my heart. It said, putting faith through action. I want you to elaborate on that. How does your ministry fulfill that phrase, faith through action? Our, our desire is to take volunteers with us and to equip them with the resources, the skills, the training that they need to go out and work with their hands and to provide physical evangelism, a way to minister to the needs of the people and in doing so, being able to share the gospel with them. You mentioned physical evangelism. What does that look like in your ministry around the world? Physical evangelism. Great term. 
that's when we take our tools and put on our tool belts and we go out into the communities. We go out and build churches and schools and help with orphanages and different uh, shelter buildings and projects from projects here at home in, in the United States and also around the world as far as South Africa and Asia and beyond. Do you have any stories of lives changed, including lives of the people that volunteer for you, particularly young people that may volunteer? Any stories? Yes, I'm reminded of a young lady that came to volunteer from Washington, and she says, you know, I've never done anything like this. I work in an office environment. I assist at a uh, medical facility, and I don't know how to build. And I said, well, we'll teach you, and we can learn together. And uh, one thing that she took away from our short-term mission trip was that she saw how doing small tasks, acts of service, acts of kindness was so impactful and bigger than she imagined initially coming on the mission trip. And she walked away going home saying, we want to organize our youth at home, at our home church, to do projects around our community as well. Amen. So what kinds of projects do you recruit people like me who have no skills? What can we do? Well, from the very basic work of cleanup and getting a project together to carrying block and uh, laying block, painting a new structure, fixing up an old structure. There are so many tasks and things that we can do together that um, don't really require specialty or certain training, but together we can be the hands and feet of Christ. Amen. Thank you so much. How can we pray for you in the last 20 seconds, Ostap? My call and my desire for the members is to look at the opportunities that the Lord has given to us to go out and to service, Amen. minister in ways that we haven't before. Amen. We will certainly do that. Thank you for your challenge. Wasn't that an amazing testimony? Doesn't that make you excited about wanting to go on a mission trip with OSAP? It certainly makes me want to go with him. And you know, I'm not a builder either, but I think I could learn with him. It takes a team for us to be able to do the things that God has given us, the, what we should be doing as far as mission work is concerned. You know, we all have a part, and the part that we can help with is we can give of our offerings, yes, can't we, can. Denzel? Yes, we can. You know, this weekend we are going to be calling for an offering. But I want you to be thinking about this and praying about this because there are ministries that really need our help. And this is a way that we can help them is with our financial support. And as we go to our next Members in Action, this will be with Wachita Hills. I'm Bethany. Welcome to this place I love, Washita Hills. We're located on a beautiful campus in the rolling hills of Arkansas. This is a place where young people are nurtured in their walk with God and trained for a life of service. One thing I love is that we serve 
even while here at school, which keeps that fire for God burning within us. At Washita Hills, every student can be a missionary for life. Each school year brings us new opportunities for service both locally and abroad. Come with me as we go to one of our headquarters for service. This is the Washita Hills Canvassing Warehouse. It's a powerhouse full of precious books being spread across the world like the leaves of autumn. I personally believe that the canvassing work is one of the most important works in these last days. Whenever I think of the canvassing trips we go on, I think of the many divine appointments God has orchestrated, how my trust in God has grown, and all the precious memories I have made. And there's even more opportunities for service. Students from Washita Hills Academy and College have conducted evangelistic series in over 20 countries of the world, resulting, by God's grace, in thousands giving their lives to Jesus and joining the Adventist Church. I had the privilege of going on a general mission trip to Dominican Republic this year, which renewed my passion for missions. Here in the States, we have the joy of serving through a traveling music ministry, disaster relief missions, and health clinics such as Pathways to Health. On a more local level, we enjoy supporting our nearby small churches, as well as ministering to our neighbors through community service. What a better way to prepare for service. But wait, there's more. Here at Washita Hills, not only do we offer an accredited high school diploma, we also offer college degrees in theology, education, business, personal evangelism, and a recently added music degree. The classes are Bible-centered and very practical. Recently, the personal evangelism class preached an evangelistic series right here on campus that was streamed online. It's also so exciting that two of our Corinne students were able to record an evangelistic series for the Corinne in their very own language. What an awesome way to provide biblical resources to a small people group who are refugees from Burma. Besides the many useful classes, each student is involved in either agriculture, automotive, construction, food service, and more. I have personally learned so much in each workstation that will be useful to me for my whole life. Because of our canvassing programs and our lower tuition, many of our students are able to start ministering to others right after graduation. We'd like to thank you for making growth and expansion possible. In these stormy times we are living in, we need a strong foundation to prepare us for stability and service. I'm so thankful for how Washita Hills has done just that in my life. I'd like to thank you for your faithful support that is making a difference for eternity.
You know, Wachita Hills has a very special place in our hearts because it's a supporting ministry uh, academy that Don and I actually went to one a long time ago. It was a long time ago, wasn't it, Dumbo? It was. Uh, but we did. We met at a supporting academy, Little Creek, Creek academy, academy in Knoxville, Tennessee. And our lives have never been the same because God meant for you and I to meet yes. there. Yes, and it was such a blessing. Yes. One of the blessings of this pandemic has been the social media and the, uh, the amount of media that has been provided by our church as far as uh, being able to be inspired by health messages, by evangelistic meetings, by great sermons or great uh, Bible studies. And uh, one of the areas that we've really appreciated is our ASI ministry for center line of evangelism. And Felicia Dadis is, is going to be speaking to us at this time. Thank you so much. And what a blessing and amazing opportunity it is to come into your home for us to be able to connect through these virtual means and to talk about the relevance of the Three Angels message, especially in times like these and how this is a message that can relate to everybody, no matter your background, how old or how young you are, where you're currently located, it's a beautiful message. And I personally am so excited to see the direction that our church is taking and what God is going to do through our movement and the fruit that is going to be, that we're going to see when people accept the gospel and the Three Angels message continues to go around the globe. And I want to spend a few moments emphasizing specifically the methods or the means that we can use to let other people know of the hope that we have in Jesus and the hope that they too can have in Christ. But I want to start off with a story. It is really tragic. And I'm from the Bahamas. And for those of you who are familiar with the Caribbean, we all know, or for parts of Florida, we all know that every year hurricane season comes about. For the most most of the time, these hurricanes are not so bad. You could you deal with uprooted trees. But last year was nothing like anyone expected. The storm was announced to be a Category 5. And in one particular instance, a Haitian pastor by the name of Wilson Isnorth, He's an Adventist pastor, and he took a megaphone, and he went with a few officers into certain communities warning people that this storm was nothing like they had experienced in the past, that this was a Category 5, the strongest that they'll ever experience. And he, you see in the photos that he goes around with this megaphone warning people, get out, go to the shelters, evacuate, leave. While some people heeded the warnings, the vast majority didn't. And when the storm hit and the waves came in, everyone who had not left were taken out to sea. Many never found. And what this reminds me of is our church and the role that we're playing, the role that God's people are playing in knowing that a storm like no other is coming. And it's our responsibility. We need to have such an urgency in our heart to let people know this storm is like nothing else that you, we've ever experienced. We can't even imagine it. But what's also very important, and we see this in the story of Pastor Isnor, is that 
he found a tool that he knew would be most effective to get the message heard. You see him using a megaphone. He's not using a walkie-talkie. He's not putting it out in a newspaper and then sending it out. He's using in that moment a tool that he knew would help a, ma a vast majority of people to hear his message. So in the very same way, when we have a message that's urgent, that needs to be shared, that needs to get out to the masses, we also want to use the means that's most effective. So if you do have your Bibles, as I talk about um, the urgency of our message and the tools that we're going to use, we're going to use uh, Revelation 14 as our backdrop. And most of us, we may be familiar with the three angels' message. We hear of this first angel that's flying in the midst of heaven to have with this everlasting gospel to preach to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So here's the first thing that we notice about this angel is where this angel is flying. And we hear of angels, there are numerous occurrences uh, in the Bible with angels appearing to people. And in this case, the angel is said to be in the midst of heaven. So for those who might be familiar with studying the original languages, that the Bible was written in, when you look at this Greek word for in the midst of heaven, it's talking about the meridian, uh, the highest point that the sun gets to in the sky. At noon, it is most visible. It is at this highest point. Everyone can see it. And that's where this angel is flying. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the remnant? for our church, for God's people. It means that this gospel, this message that we have, we are sharing it and we ought to be present like this angel in the most visible place. You know how the Bible talks about when you are a light or a city on a hill, it's set on a, it, when you're a city, it's set on a hill, everyone can see it, or you light a lamp, you don't put it under a bushel, you put it someplace in the house where everyone can see it. And when you have an urgent message to share, it's the very same way. You want that message shared somewhere where the vast majority of people can hear it. And so, like this angel, you and I ought to be where the masses are, in the most visible place. The urgency of this message to fear God, to worship Him, to give glory to Him, to ask people to turn away from their sins, to find comfort and rest and forgiveness in their Redeemer, this message ought to be where it's most visible. And where is the most visible today? We know it's online means. The first page of Google, on social media, on YouTube. What we cannot do in person, our digital means allows us to do. And so that's the first thing that we notice about this message. But then it says specifically that this message is going to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. What comes to mind when I think about this is that this angel then is equipped to send this message to every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. So if God is calling us, if he has given us a commission to take this message to the ends of the world, that means that he will also give us the tools that we need to go to the ends of the world. So, for example, right now, I'm currently recording or I'm currently speaking to you from New Hampshire. 
but you might be located in the United States, in the Bahamas, in Haiti, in Jamaica. You might be in China, wherever you are. These means that we're using is allowing this message to go to the ends of the world. Digital evangelism also gives us that possibility. Your testimony is precious, and God calls us to be good stewards of that message by using these digital means. And that's why the Center for Online Evangelism is so passionate about equipping our conferences and churches and lay people and ministers and business leaders to use these means to take the gospel to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So when we see how digital tools gives us this opportunity, we recognize that we are still God's stewards. Especially for us as young people, we have an influence that our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents could not even dream of or imagine. With just a click of a button, by just hitting live on Facebook, you can have an audience with up to hundreds, thousands of people, depending on how wide your audience is. You can upload a video to YouTube, and people from all over the world watch that video, hundreds of thousands, even millions of views. And we're asking the church, we're asking our lay people to look at these various methods to pray and to ask the Lord, which platform do I need to be present on? How can I reach these individuals? For missionaries, those who physically go into places, it's important to know the culture of these people. How do we interact with them? How do we engage with them? What are their needs? What are their interests? How can we reach them? You see, the online sphere is the very same way. It's, it's like a mission field. And we have to understand what are the needs of the people. How do we speak their language? And digital evangelism covers that. When I think about the work that we've done, the training that we've conducted in countries around the world, in places where it's not legal for persons to go either door to door sharing the gospel, where Christians are being persecuted for their faith, in those very same countries where that is not allowed or permitted, there's still an open door to do that online. At the same time, we do recognize that in other places, those opportunities are closing. And that's why it's so important, it's so critical for us now who have access to these tools, who can go on these platforms to take advantage of it now because the world is in need of a message of hope. So as we continue to read through the book of Revelation and we see these angels speaking with a loud voice, they're not shy about this message. In the very same way, we are not to be shy about how we're spreading this gospel, this everlasting gospel. We are not to shy away from using methods that can allow more people to hear about the hope that they can have in Jesus. You know, I love this quote by Ellen White where she says that every means, every method possible is to be used. We are to explore new avenues in the book Evangelism. We are to explore new avenues through which we can attract and grab and arrest the attention of the people. The same way that our message, our message, the gospel, does not change when it comes to digital evangelism, the message does not change, but how we communicate that message will change. So, for example, si commence à parler en créole, on peut moun qui pas parler créole pas comprendre samedi. What I said was, if I begin speaking in French Creole, a lot of persons who don't understand, well, anyone who does not speak French Creole will not understand what I'm saying. 
The message is the same, but based on my audience and whom I'm speaking to, the language that I use will be different. We live in a digital age, and the way that we communicated our message maybe 50, 100 years ago, definitely will not work today. This is not to say that traditional means are obsolete and cannot be used. They definitely still have their place and are still valid. But we also need to learn to adapt with the changing times to speak the language of today's culture in terms of the way that we can reach them. And we see the same example going throughout the Bible, where the Lord, based on the people that He was trying to reach, or even with the disciples or the apostles, the people who they were trying to reach, their target audience, how they spoke and the way that they spoke changed. And that's what we need to recognize. When persons hear of Seventh Day Adventists, when they hear about our teachings, when perhaps a canvasser comes to their door and shares with them the great controversy, or they hear about Ellen White, one of the first things that they're going to do if they're not familiar with us is to Google us. They're searching online. They want to know who are Seventh Day Adventists. Why are their beliefs so different? Why is their diet so different? Who is the Sister White that I hear about? And you see, if we are not online to answer their questions, other people who don't have a full understanding of our beliefs and of truth, they're going to take that place and answer those questions. It's like a garden. If you don't tend it, if you are actually looking at a garden right now across from me, and there's a part of the garden that's completely overgrown with weeds, and that's you can tell it has not been tended. No one has been. Pulling up the weeds and planting, but on the other side of the garden, we could already see lush vegetables coming up. Did that just happen by itself? No, someone had to been in the garden tending it. See, the online world is like a garden, and if you and I are not careful to tend this garden to plant seeds of truth, weeds are going to grow, and we want to avoid that. So, for instance, at the Center for Online Evangelism, with trainings that we have. We're helping church members to know these are practical ways that you can begin planting seeds online. Through our newsletters that we send out to our followers every week, we're giving them tips. This is what you can do through your ministry, through your school, through your business. Utilize these online means to reach more people. When I study Revelation 14, it reminds me. Of the story in First Samuel 17. I know usually we don't compare Revelation, the book of Revelation, to First Samuel, but it tells the story of David. Israel is facing the Philistines, and for 40 days, this enemy army has been sending out this message: "Send out your best fighter." Let's see if there's a God in Israel. And Goliath is waiting, and everyone is afraid to face this giant. And finally. This shepherd boy, David, comes. He has he has his rod, he has his sling, and he says, "I can take on this this giant." And King Saul is saying to him, "Look, Goliath has been fighting since he was a youth. You are not able to take him on." And David shares this account that I'm sure blew their mind. Perhaps they didn't even believe him. He says that when he used to keep his father's sheep. And a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. He, David, went after the lion or the bear. He struck it, 
and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when the lion rose up against him, he caught it by its beard. He struck it and killed it. And then you come to the book of Revelation, and we see this war taking place. It's like a war between this lamb and this beast. And we know that the Bible also says that the, the devil is like a roaring lion, prowling around, seeking home to devour. And Christ is represented by this lamb, but there are other places in the Bible where we are said, we, the people of God are said to be the sheep of his pasture that we ought to go out and we ought to rescue lambs who have been caught by the enemy. But David says that he is able to defeat Goliath, not because of any skill that he has, not because of the tools and the weapons that he has, not because he has been fighting. He says that the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the bear will also deliver me from this Philistine. You see, it's not about how big of a budget that we have for media. It's not about the best camera that you have. It's not about whether you have proper lighting and microphones and you have an entire media team. It's not about those. That can help. But at the end of the day, you can have a limitless budget. You can have a huge team. You can have the best equipment. But if those things are not consecrated by God in terms of persons, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to use us and to take hold of us, we won't bear fruit. At the end of the day, it's not whether or not we have the training to edit or we have the skills to do digital marketing or whether we're able to come in front of a camera to start a YouTube channel or to, um, we don't know how to make the website better for our church. What is most important is whether we are consecrated to the Lord whether we are filled with the Holy Spirit, because we recognize that God uses the people who seem to be not qualified, who absolutely are not qualified, who don't have the skills, who don't have the talent, who don't have the training. He uses those people. And it's not to say that having talents and training and equipment and a budget won't help. Those things will help. But the most important thing is to recognize that the same God that delivered David and that used Paul and that used Moses is the same God that's able to use you if you only have a cell phone. He's the same God that's able to use you as a communication director to make your church website into an online hub where people can come and they can find hope. He's the same God that's able to fill you as a business owner with such spirit that your business becomes more than selling or um, a product or service, but it also is a place where people can find salvation. The God that delivered David from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear to save that lamb is the same God that can use us today and use our digital tools to save those lambs who are out there who are literally in the mouth of the lion. And so where do we go from here? What do we do? As a church, you may feel we don't have the means, we don't have the technology, we don't know about this technology, what do we do? You might feel you as an individual, you want to do more for the Lord, but you can't travel overseas right now. Well, no one can travel overseas right now. Um, you might be wondering, as a young person, how do I use my influence on social media to reach somebody 
You might be wondering, as a pastor, what can I do to extend my church beyond the four walls? Because what we have learned from this pandemic is that the church, for sure, is not a building. It's a community, and we must learn how to reach out to those people who are beyond our four walls. So what can ministers do? What can our conference leaders do? Our business owners, our lay people, our young people, for those who are much older and who only have access maybe just to their computers, what can you do? Digital evangelism allows each and every single one of us to work within the sphere, to work within the field that God has called us to do. Even if your talent or gift or your um, your work primarily is outside doing something else, but as long as you have a cell phone, as long as you have a laptop or access to the internet, you can reach one person for Jesus. And so the same way that we see these angels proclaiming this message to fear God, worship him, give glory to him, that Babylon is fallen, everything that is against Christ, everything that is against God, every system of confusion, religious or otherwise, those things are fallen. It may seem as if they are prospering, but God is saying they are fallen. Then he says to come out, come out of confusion, separate yourself from idolatry, worship God. That's the message that we need to share whenever we log onto social media, whenever we go onto YouTube, whenever we start an online small group. And it doesn't always mean that we're giving a Bible study. We can meet people where they are having these interest topics, using a topic as an as an opening wedge to share the gospel. But no matter where we are and what tools we have access to, as long as they are placed in the hands of God, we will be like those angels sharing that everlasting gospel, especially in times like these. Half of the world's population has access to the internet. More people than ever before because of this global pandemic are online. They're searching for hope. They're searching for comfort. A lot of people have anxiety and they don't know what's going to happen. Are we then going to be held accountable because we had a message of hope to share, but we did not share it simply because we did not know how to use these tools or we did not um, know, we didn't have the skills? When God is saying, I've made provision for you already, there are tools, there are resources, there are ministries like the Center for Online Evangelism that's available to you that can help you starting today to share the three angels' message. Pastor Wilson Ismar and his family endured the storm. They lost everything. Today, they're able to tell their story, to share the experience, the tragic experience that they had, the people that they lost. We, too, have an opportunity now, before it's too late, to use a megaphone, whatever that may be like. It may be your cell phone or it may be your laptop, to use a megaphone to let people know Jesus is coming. He loves you. Fear him. Worship him. Give glory to him and turn away from everything that brings confusion. And the Lord wants to fill you and me with that spirit that we may be able to share the gospel, to share the three angels' message, especially in times like these.
Wasn't that beautiful? Do you know my Jesus? I want to know my Jesus more and more every day. And you know, we've almost finished the first hour, and boy, has it gone fast, but we've got a lot more to go. And right now, we have another testimony. Actually, it's out at Weimar, Weimar Farm. I believe that the garden provides opportunities for us to get to know God better. We see miracles happen when we plant a seed and it grows and we're attracted and we can't stop looking at it. Every day we come and look and to see that growth. We are farming soil. We're taking care of plants. God is farming our hearts. We see parallels. We see spiritual parallels and we can learn better how to cooperate with God because we're learning it in the physical realm and we see it and we read the Bible, we study it, we see it in the spiritual realm. Hi, my name is Darren Greenfield, and I'm the manager of Weimar Farm, and I'm also the chairman of the board of the Adventist Agricultural Association. So we started out um, 2012 as an organic farm. We registered, got certified, and um, we've been uh, maintaining that in a different way than most organic farms. We've gone beyond organics. We uh, test the soil, we remineralize the soil, we get that balance of so, uh, minerals in the soil that I believe is close to what creation was. We were made from the soil and that soil had everything that we're made of. Um, so we try to get that balance back in the soil and the plants love it, they thrive, they're healthy, we have very little disease or pest issues as a result of, of that. And then of course the plants pass their health on to us as we eat the products. We started out uh, with the farm not only uh, becoming organic, but we were using uh, what's known as veganic methods where we didn't use the um, manures that are byproducts of animals. Uh, a lot of those manures come from factory farms, confined uh, feeding operations, 
and um, so they're very unhealthy products. They have uh, pathogenic uh, substances in there that we can get sick and die from if they get onto the food. So Weimar Institute has uh, the New Start program and as part of that, for an hour, the guests come up to the farm for a tour or to be involved. The New Start come for a tour. I talk to them, I explain it, I let them if there's something to take and taste when they're allowed to eat, not in between meals or whatever. Um, they love it and um, they love being in the environment because when you're around living plants and living processes it just makes you feel alive they don't want they want to hang around and there's uh, many of them are very reluctant to turn around and leave when it's time to go to the next lecture or whatever the program is is calling them to when students come to the farm and they take the class in agriculture they read the book councils on agriculture i'm amazed to see that they become inspired and enthusiastic and they want to learn as much as they can in fact, they always are moaning about uh, they don't have enough time on the farm. They want more. It refreshes their minds. They study better after they've been on the farm. And uh, so it really has a, a, an important part to play in Christ's ministry right here at Wima. So Wima uh, Institute has total community involvement, and that's where um, there's a lot of Christ in the marketplace here at Wima, where people are going door to door, they're meeting people, they're helping them with their needs, they are studying the Bible with those who are interested. The farm has a, a very um, powerful um, role, I believe, in, in, in forming first impressions with people. Uh, some of the TCI students actually went out and they took uh, some of our produce with them, knocked on the door and did a survey and typically when they do that they get a lot of rejections and people slam the doors they uh, they're not interested and sometimes they're not very nice in what they say well this particular time that they first went out and did this um, I heard glowing reports when they came back they said not one person turned down a survey in fact they told stories of one lady who was angry opened the door what do you want and everything they said we're from Weimar Institute and we have an organic farm we want to share with you some produce and here it is and her whole countenance changed, her disposition changed. She started smiling, and as they were chatting, she said, well, what else does, do you guys do? And then they introduced the survey, and she was very willing and happy to do it. So it breaks down barriers and prejudices and, and so on. And so I think we have a huge uh, potential to really impact many more uh, just through what the farm does and, and through people appreciating uh, the blessing that it brings them. Our theme for this weekend is the three angels' messages in times like these. And one of the primary uh, illustrated uh, magazines that we, we know that uh, demonstrates the first angels' messages is Creation Illustrated. My wife and I have really appreciated this magazine so much so that we buy it for all of our employees. And it's one of the few magazines that we put in our bank lobby. And uh, at this time, we're going to hear about Creation Illustrated. I am so pleased to welcome Tom and Jennifer Ish, publishers of Creation Illustrated. I was very excited to interview them because I received my first Creation Illustrated before I was Adventist. I was given it by a friend and was had the opportunity to use it in homeschooling 
and also my daughter even entered their photo contest. So Tom and Jennifer, tell us a little bit about Creation Illustrated. Well, 26 years ago, we started Creation Illustrated while working at Weimar Institute, and we had two main goals, that it be a top-quality publication for all ages and backgrounds to enjoy and share. And I'm happy to report that now readers call it the Christian answer to National Geographic. And in fact, someone was selling Creation Illustrated back issues on eBay for nearly triple the cover price, and that doesn't even happen with books. So it's been a family ministry, and even our daughter Melissa first attended ASI at age two and gained a heart for missions and has been a big help with the graphic design and quality enhancements of the publication. Amazing. And what need does Creation Illustrated fill? Well, one area is that research is showing today that technology is robbing today's youth of physical, mental, and spiritual health. And some of this is leading to depression and even suicide. Can Creation Illustrated help with that need? Yes, it's uh, research shows that nature is vital. In fact, we have counsel to use Christ's method of teaching from the things he made and get youth out into nature. Uh, students, uh, we're told in this quote, should be led to see God in all the works of creation. Teachers should copy the example of the great teacher who from the familiar scenes of nature drew illustrations that simplified his teachings. Hence, uh, God gave us the design for creation illustrated to meet that need. And how does Creation Illustrated do that? One area that we focus on is uh, for the last 15 years, we've uh, sent about 4,000 Adventist teachers and schools a print edition of our magazine. And recently we've added the digital subscriptions to that. And so they use it in their classroom and for outdoor and various subjects. And the response has been good. Great. What about during COVID-19? Well, there's a great need for teachers and parents to teach in the home now and also help the young people from getting uh, cabin fever and de depressed. And so now we send these 4,000 teachers in schools digital Bible-based unit studies on nature for various creatures with science, math, history, geography, writing and spelling, Bible study, art, and activities that are available to anyone on our website store uh, who are grasping for things to teach their students and to get them out and away from uh, being cooped up at home. Great. And people might be interested to hear your website and also if people are using these materials. Yes, uh, Creation Illustrated. Uh, the website is Worship Our Creator. Dot com. So it's very easy, worshipourcreator.com, and that's the core of our message. Yes. We, we do get many uh, notes of appreciation from teachers, and one recently wrote uh, that the unit studies and magazines exhibit a high scientific standards and support scripture. And that's really important to us, um, that scripture is interwoven throughout the whole magazine, and that materials are used in their curriculum, throughout their curriculum. 
Now, is, is creation illustrated only for schools? No, no. Um, it's for everyone, actually. But it's wonderful that schools can use it, and it's a wonderful outreach tool to anyone. And one of the areas that we find as a wonderful uh, ministering is for prisoners, because prisoners are so nature-starved, and, and we help them become a new creation by receiving God's Word in an easy and stunning format. In fact, we have over 70 Bible quotes throughout the, each magazine drawing attention to God's Word and fulfilling the needs to um, help people. And in fact, one of the letters that we got recently says, um, I'll just read it here, it says, My name is Amy, and I'm currently incarcerated in Ohio. I recently found one of your magazines on a bookshelf and absolutely fell in love with it. I am doing all I can to improve my relationship with God, and I am a nature lover as well. Seeing your magazine combination of the two is fantastic. The way the wonders of nature and God's word are woven together is truly inspirational. I am writing to see if I can receive a copy of future issues. We get uh, letters from prisoners every week. One prisoner was in his cell 23 hours a day and only gets out into nature a little bit, and prison chaplains are begging for more. And so uh, it's being used. Uh, we're partnering with Christmas Behind Bars to get it out there. We also want to hear about how we are using this in other marketplaces. Yes, uh, business people and ASI members use it for sharing Christ in the marketplace. And in fact, one ASI member says Creation Illustrated is the only magazine he allows in his banks and gives a gift subscription to over 100 employees for the holidays. We have others who give Creation Illustrated, and now that people can't go shopping, uh, people are giving it as uh, a gift. And we just want to send a big thank you to ASI and others for their generosity and commitment to sharing the first angel's message, to worship him who made heaven and earth. And we are so grateful uh, to be a part of the ASI family. We're glad to have you, too. Thank you so much. One of my favorite Bible texts is found in Matthew, Matthew 24:14, And it says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. One of, uh, one of the ministries that I'm really excited about is Reach the World Next Door. It's an organization that helps us reach the people next door. And it, I want you to see the video that we have played for, him, for this part. It just makes me smile every time I think of my friend, Pali. He's a Laotian man who's been here in America for about 10 years, maybe a little more. Came because he felt he needed to leave the country and he and his wife came as she was pregnant with a little boy who now we know is Chris or his nickname is Snow. Um, love that guy. That little boy came when the, when the relief workers came to help after the hurricane. There was a bunch of Christians. They were having worship. He was there every night, just soaked up learning about Jesus. Never heard about him before. And came home and was sharing it with his family. In the meantime, his dad is doing all he can to help the neighborhood after the flood, not even worrying too much about the roof of his own home and the problems in his house, but out there doing what he can to help. We met him during that time. We were down there with our students from Reach the World Next Door, building up the houses and caring for the people. It was 
it was that, along with the many other people caring, that began to stir his mind about who this God was that his son was learning about. So when we were in his house visiting and later as we were eating sticky rice together and making those little spring rolls and talking, um, the questions came up and he was interested. And I asked him, would you like to learn more of the story about God? And he said, sure, I'd be glad to. So we began to come. Sometimes the students would tell the stories. Ike was there. Uh, Soso was telling them. And as, as they shared, he just ate it up. He would read the scriptures and allow Bible we brought to him. He would then, uh, he would watch the videos that Pastor Sang, the associate director there at ASAP Ministries, would, had made. He would watch them over and over three or four times. And, and one night, I think I've shared this before perhaps, one night, we began to tell the story. My son, Josiah, began to share about how Jesus had died on the cross and opened a book for, for Chris to learn from. And father was trying to listen in, but his English is not always so good in some of those details. And so I began to tell him, and, and it began to click. He said, that's what I couldn't understand about the story about Pastor saying. Now I understand. Now I understand. And he was thrilled. Well, his story continues. We didn't get a study for like three or four months with, with me traveling, but mainly with him trying to survive during the cold season. If Houston has a cold season, it does get pretty cold sometimes. Couldn't grow much, so he was trying to make a living. Too busy to study. But when I came back from being in Laos, where I had visited his daughters, we got to meet up with them over there and eat supper with them, talk with them. They haven't seen each other in 10 years. Brought those pictures back home, showed them to, to Polly and his wife. They were excited, just had a, had a fun time sharing. Well, it was in that moment that, um, that he took out his Bible and said, Maybe you think I haven't been studying, but I've read clear to hear. And he pointed to the Gospel of John. I was so taken back. He was still studying. He was still learning. You know, one of the things that really helped move him from it's just knowledge to I really believe this is the day that he said, don't come for studies. (laughs) I didn't go, but some of our team didn't know about it. So they showed up and saw he was in pain. His foot was hurting so bad he couldn't walk on it. And so they immediately decided to do charcoal. They put a charcoal poultice on it and had special prayer for him, told him the things that he ought to change in his diet. And you know what? He was healed. That very afternoon, he was out walking and he knew there was a God and these friends were the ones who should tell him about it. So those little acts of kindness, they make a big difference. Well, he's part of our new small group study in that town. As we did a full set of outreach with the Wildwood group. He came frequently and helped prepare the place so that we could show it and and have it ready. And so now he's there, soaking it up, learning, trying to get his best through the language, reading and looking at things that we place in his hands, and who knows where it will take. But I want you to remember, it can be just those little acts of kindness, that one prayer offered to God in someone's behalf. Those are the seeds that are planted. And then stick with them, nurture them, care for them, continue to teach when you can or tell stories when they're busy or just pray for them when they can't at all. And God is going to use it until he brings them to that place where as we're praying for this family, they can truly cross over to make God their savior, their best friend, the Lord of their life and their savior for eternity. What about you? Are you ready? Are you willing to share this beautiful and most precious story with Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, and the secular people that live around us? Are you spending time with Jesus so that it fills your heart with love overflowing and you know it is the answer for the problems of people? 
This is what we need to do. Jesus wants to come back, but he is determined he will not return until every nation, every tribe, every tongue has had an opportunity to hear his story and respond to his invitation to receive forgiveness, to receive the transformation of the heart, his power over evil. We have developed an online training program called Reach the World Next Door, where in 13 sessions, you, your family, or a church group can go through and understand better how to share the love of God with immigrants, refugees, and international students. I hope you will take time to learn from that and to get out there into the community so that together we can reach the world ASAP. Reach the world next door to our neighbors and friends. Brian, how are you applying what we had just heard on this video in your practice? Yeah, that's a really good um, question. I think a very practical one. You know, when I was going, growing up and going through school, I had pictures of being out in Borneo or somewhere as the missionary doctor. <clears throat> but to realize that we live in a melting pot. Mm -hmm. um, people from all around the world come to every one of our communities here in America. And that's just uh, an incredible uh, opportunity to outreach. Um, some of my own partners are actually Muslim. And uh, we've actually developed a close bond. You know, they, they trust us. They have special diet. They, they dress a certain way. They're very devout. And so when they know that I pray with patients, that I have a special diet, um, that we dress modestly, we abstain from alcohol, we don't eat pork, there's a lot of commonality there. there is. And we don't have a formal Bible study, but the three or four of my partners will often get together in the doctor's lounge at a table and they'll be talking and they see me walk through and say, hey, Brian, we're having a discussion about, do you think there's seven heavens or one heaven? What does the Bible say? And we'll sit down and just talk back and forth. And it's a very open discussion. One of them, well, first of all, he said, you know, Brian, you've inspired me to be a better Muslim. But <laughs> he subsequently said, you know, if I wasn't Muslim, I could be a Seventh-day Adventist. Amen. And so there, there's this bond. One, one of my Muslim partners has a patient who is uh, Muslim and uh, had taken care of him for several years. But then I was the one on call when he came into the hospital for a procedure. He was actually a founding physician for one of the, the medical school in town. Mm. Um, has been in the country for over 25 years. And when he came, he switched from my Muslim partner to me after he'd had the procedure and just said, Dr. Schwartz, when you prayed with me, you showed me such respect. Amen. Nobody has shown me this kind of respect since I have come to America. He said, just the fact that you would share your religion and you would take the time to pray, it meant so much to me. And every time he comes to the office, he just thanks me for, for sharing my faith. And so we have opportunities for Jews, for Hindus, for Muslims, for people from all walks of life. It's an incredible opportunity. Amen. 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 You know, it's so important that we try to reach everyone we can wherever we are. The Lord has put us each in a spot where we need to be so that we can reach the people that we're in contact with. You know, the Lord puts us with me being a banker or whatever, you being a physician or whatever position we're in, we're, we're there for a reason. That's right. The Lord has put us there for a reason. And we need to pray. I know my wife and I, Donna, and I pray every day for divine appointments, mm -hmm. for opportunities to reach people. And it is amazing the opportunities the Lord has given us to reach people. If we would just be willing, there's opportunities around us every single day. Amen. Amen.
And one of the one of the our next speaker is going to talk to us about this, Dwayne McKee. Dwayne McKee is the head uh, or the president of AWR, and he's also in charge of uh, total member involvement. And that's really what ASI is about. Mm-hmm. We are totally involved. We want to be involved not only in our business and our profession, but how can we reach people for Jesus? And uh, I've known Dwayne for over 30 years. Uh, he is he's a um, and what I can say, summarize summarize him is that he loves Jesus and he wants to tell the world about Jesus so that he can go home really soon. Greetings. Thanks so much, friends. It's great to be here with you. Uh, I've, I love ASI, as you know. I've been on the board for about 16 years now, ever since I was conference president in Arizona. And it's just a thrill to participate with you in all these different kinds of, of international projects and projects here at home in the U.S., it's exciting and thrilling to see what God is doing around the world. Actually, let me share with you just a, a thrilling experience that I had. It's been a few years. We were missionaries in the Congo, and uh, Perry Parks, who was at the division office, myself, and some others were going to go see the gorillas. And as we flew into Bukavu, we got off the plane, and we went to where the national park opened up, and we went to the the entrance there and, t- and talked to the guards and and signed up and paid our fees. And then as we were getting ready for the, the walk, actually it was a long walk that was going to take all day long, oh, about three and a half hours up into the jungle, up into the mountains to see the gorillas. Now the, the guards said to us, they had their AK-47s. They said, we'll take care of you, don't worry. But they said, whatever you do, when the silverback charges, it'll be a false charge. Do not run. Whatever you do, don't run. Okay, we, we got it. And, and then one of them pulled up his pant leg. And he said, look at my leg. And he had a big gash in his leg. He said, I ran and the silverback got me. And another one said, last week, there were some Belgians here. And one of those guys ran and the silverback caught him and killed him. So whatever you do, it'll be a false charge. Don't run. And we said, we understand. We're not going to run. And so we walked and walked and walked. Actually, the jungle was so thick at one point, Perry kind of fell through it. We were actually kind of on top of some trees. And then we got out of that mess and, and got down. And we got into a large clearing. And they said, the silverback, he's here. He's close by. But, but don't run. And so we all stood there steady. I got my camera. I had a nice Nikon camera. I was going to get the perfect picture of a charging silverback. 350 pounds of fury. <laughs> and so all of a sudden he roared and hollered and screamed and started crashing through the jungle. And then the guards with their AK-47s who were in front of us, bang, I don't know how they did that. I still can't figure it out, but they were behind us. Our hearts were pumping so fast. My camera was shaking. I couldn't get that picture. Later on, I got another picture. I never will forget that experience. Never will forget it. Don't run, they said. Don't turn and run. And I think with what is happening today here in America with the the economy and all this people getting sick and different things with the pandemic, it's not a time to run. Actually, Mrs. White says we need to go forward, go forward, go forward. Reminds me in the Bible, Jesus gave the Great Commission here in Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20. And he says, starting out, all Power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Think about that. All power, all God, the, the God of the universe, 
just to think of what one angel can do. Now all power, he says, is given to me. All power. The disciples took this charge to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They took that charge of Jesus so seriously. In, in the book, Acts the Apostles, last chapter, it says there, the commission that Christ gave to the disciples, they fulfilled. Think about that. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize, teach. That commission, it says here, they fulfilled. As these messengers of the cross went forth to proclaim the gospel, there was such a revelation of the glory of God as had never been seen, witnessed by mortal man before. By the cooperation of the divine spirit, the apostles did a work that shook the world. To every nation was the gospel carried in a single generation. Did you hear that? To, to every nation, to every nation was a gospel carried in a single generation. Page 593, Acts the Apostles, the disciples. Wow. Thomas, not long ago, just a year ago, we had a project with uh, ASI, TMI, AWR over in India as we were reaching all across India, preaching to thousands of people, sharing the medical message, the gospel message. We went to Madras, Chennai now, and we, we went up to a special hilltop place, and they have a memorial to Thomas. The Apostle Thomas walked about 4,000 miles, 3,000 if you fly, but about 4,000 miles if you walk, all the way to Chennai, to Madras, told the people there about Jesus, established the Christian church, fulfilled the gospel commission, and died. All of them died, but yet they reached the whole world in a single generation for Jesus. That's the commission that I take so seriously, and ASI does too, AWR does. We all do together to reach the world for Jesus. That's the commission of Jesus, to go, preach, teach, baptize. No time to run. No time to turn and run. No time to say, no, this is too scary of a time. We need, we need to do everything we can right now with a shutdown. Sometimes I think maybe this is not a shutdown, this pandemic. Maybe it's a startup. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a start. Over in Ukraine, we have never done this before, but we are funding 20 meetings in Moldova and 38 meetings in Ukraine. We just got a report yesterday. A million people have hit have visited the sites, YouTube sites and the Facebook sites in the Ukraine. A million people. That's never happened before. What a time to be alive. In Papua New Guinea, we're supposed to be having meetings right now. They're being rescheduled. They're going to be the last of January 2021. And then the first two weeks into February, they're being rescheduled for that event. One, one of the guys who were out of Wilson is going to preach this TMI meeting. One, one of the guys who's organizing the meeting, he says, you know, he says, we had we had thought that we were going to have 100,000 baptisms. We have thousands and thousands in the baptismal class. We're waiting for the baptisms. We had thought we were going to have 100,000. But now, with this pandemic, things have changed. Now, now we're praying for 200,000 baptisms. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Wow, what God is doing. It's just thrilling when you think about it. And, and Papua New Guinea, we, we have given them 10,000 God pods. 
10,000 God pods. And, and, and so since they can't go to the churches, it's interesting. Papua has almost no cases of, of COVID-19, almost none. <laughs> but because of what is happening in the world, they have shut the country down. And so there are no churches. So the people are meeting in homes. They're meeting home, and they're taking our God pods, the 10,000 God pods, all across the mountains of Papua New Guinea, and they're sharing with people. Actually, there, was, there were a couple of pastors, husband and wife, two pastors, and they were listening to the God pods and then the cell phone messages. They got so convicted. They're not baptized yet, but so convicted. Two pastors, Protestant pastors, Sunday-keeping pastors, so convicted about the Sabbath and the Advent message that Jesus is coming soon. This is what we do at ASI, isn't it? And AWR. Wow, touching people's lives. They were so convicted. They tore down their house. They moved their seven kids. Yeah, that's right, seven, nine of them, into a little mud hut behind their house. And now they are building an Adventist church. ASI and AWR partnering to raise funds to put sheet metal on these churches like this. The people are still waiting to be baptized. They said, when you come... In the January, we're going to have all our old church members there ready to be baptized as Seventh-day Adventists. And this brand new Seventh-day Adventist church. Wow. Can you imagine? This has never happened before. All across Papua New Guinea. Then, then there is the Philippines. I just talked to a Robert, our friend, Delay and Mindoro. There, there are two parts of the Philippines. We have rebels, as you know, in Mindanao. There are lots of rebels down there, and the work has gone very slow. This has been going on for 50 years. And also in Mindoro, it's been going on for 50 years as well. I just took some notes, and I had Kathy write them down as we were talking. We, we have 10 generals. Now, three years ago, we had almost no work, almost no, no, no AWR work, almost no work at all in the mountains with the, the guerrillas, the rebels there in Mindoro. Now we have baptized because of their listening to AWR being broadcast on 16 radio stations. Just picture this for a moment. You have two people and sometimes three people go to the radio station, lay people, lay people. These are not being paid. We don't pay them anything. They go to the radio station. They have the, the sermons. They read the sermons. They preach the sermons. They give health messages. They give children's story. They have music. Every day, one to two hours on 16 radio stations all across that island. Three years ago, we had almost no work. Now we're working in 118 villages. They've asked, they said, we want to become Seventh-day Adventists. Come and teach us. Since the medical doctors, just a few months ago, we were up there. We uh, went up on a helicopter. Kathy didn't want to ride a horse and I didn't either, actually. And walking was all night long. And our medical doctors, bless their hearts. And some of the nurses uh, walked up and took the supplies and treated the people. We had a huge baptism. It's just thrilling. I just just talked to Robert, as I said. Tomorrow, they're meeting with, they're meeting with the governor of the island. There are 500 rebels in Mindoro, 500 who haven't been baptized yet. The governor is saying, okay, guys, you lay down your arms. The president will give you an amnesty. You be baptized, you work with the Adventists, and we'll give you two acres of land, we'll give you a house, and Adventist Wood Radio, we'll give them $500 each one to start a farm or a little business up in the mountains, all 500 of them, so they can 
change their lifestyle. They can earn money now instead of by extortion and other means. They can earn money as farmers, as as businessmen, as whatever it it, it, it can be. It's amazing. It's amazing to see that the general, the head general, has not been baptized. He would have been baptized here two weeks ago, but because of the lockdown, it's been put off. And so as soon as we get there in a few months, as soon as the, the islands open up, we'll be back there. We'll baptize the general. Plus, we'll baptize some of these 500 troops that are going to give their hearts to Jesus. By the way, that's just Mindoro. Now, Mindanao and the other part of the Philippines, it's been very difficult there as well. And, and so in Mindanao, we decided to broadcast, start broadcasting. We have, oh, let's see, we have 16, 15 radio stations we have just started broadcasting on. Broadcasting up into the mountains, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to put, take smart projectors, take them up, teach the people about Jesus, teach them the Adventist health message. Many of them will give their hearts to Jesus. You know, I'm, I've been thinking about this shutdown and maybe... Maybe some of the challenges that some of our churches are having, and perhaps you know, people staying home watching 3BN or, or other programs, uh, doing YouTube with their, or, or Zoom with their Sabbath school lessons, and maybe not returning their tithe. And I know, I know some people have been a little nervous about that. When I grew up I, over here in Oklahoma, I was on a farm. We had uh, Jersey cows. I had a few black Angus too, and my folks milked cows. I, I learned I, I learned a lot about cows. But one thing I noticed over the years, we had one set of twins. Actually, the the heifer that it was a second calf heifer, second time she had calves. She was a black Angus, and she had two beautiful little black <laughs> little black baby calves. Oh, they were gorgeous. But all those years, I only remember one set of twins. Now, let me tell you just a short little story. And then we're going to show you a little video. Boy, Abraham, he's a Maasai warrior, a Maasai chief, actually. He has a thousand head of cattle, a thousand head. And so what Abraham does, he's listening to Adventist World Radio after he had gone to some meetings, just like we're having with Cam Newton here in a week. He'd gone some some prophetic meetings, decided to be baptized, given his heart to Jesus. And he's listening to his radio while he's out with his cattle. And he hears about tithing. He calls up the conference. He says, I want to tithe. And they say, what? Yeah, I want to tithe. So they came. He brought a thousand head of cattle in. They started counting them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Tithe. Abraham did it himself. Every tenth one he counted as tithe. His neighbors came and they started laughing and laughing. Abraham's lost his mind. You see, a Messiah warrior never gives away a cow. That's like gold. They keep their cows and they breed them and breed them and breed them. They have babies every year. They, wow. Remember what I said about twins? Well, watch this video and see what happens when Abraham starts returning his tithe to the Lord. How God blesses with all these twins. Wow. And then the neighbors who were laughing a year later. Well, you remember... I think you probably know that it takes it takes about nine months, just like a lady, just like in human <laughs> in humans. It, it takes nine months for a baby to to be born and cows too. nine months. You know, horses are 11 months. I think elephants are 24 months or something like that. <laughs> and so can you imagine that nine 
months later, Abraham started having twins in his cows. And the neighbors came nine months later to the conference office and said, we want to pay tithe too. What? We want to pay tithe too. Why? You're not Adventists. No, 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 you don't understand. We want Abraham's blessings. And they did. And they did. Watch this video. With colorful clothes and herds of cattle, the Maasai people are spread throughout this land. Watch as one very wealthy Maasai tribal leader does the unthinkable. He puts his faith in God first before everything else. This is AWR P60. We are in Tanzania, a country famous for the Maasai people, known for their distinctive customs and brightly colored dress. They welcomed me with a native jumping dance. From a standing position, these warriors can vertically spring over three feet high. Their smiles made me feel right at home, and they even allowed me to carry one of their precious babies. I enjoyed every moment and fell in love with these dear people who received me with open arms. The Maasai have a semi-nomadic lifestyle. Even this village we are at right now is temporary. Every aspect of their lives revolves around their cattle. The cows determine where the village moves based on where the herds can eat grass. Cattle is their currency and their main source of food. Nothing is left to waste. Even their huts are made of cow dung. For a man to give away his cattle is foolish and unheard of. That's why Abraham's story is amazing. He owns more than a thousand cows. I have over a thousand cows and I'm considered rich by my Maasai people, but something was missing in my life. Abraham's heart was convicted at an evangelistic series and he became a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Most Maasai cannot read or write, so they learn from the radio. Abraham was overjoyed when he tuned in AWR. It was a topic of tithing that really caught his attention. They spoke of faithfulness and trusting God and that 10% belongs to him. As his eyes took in all that he owned, he knew what he had to do. In that moment, he made a commitment. Like Jacob of old, he marked every tenth cow. By the time he was finished, more than 100 cows had been designated for God. My friends and neighbors thought I was crazy. To the Maasai, 100 cows is worth about $30,000. You just don't give away the most important resource you own. Despite the ridicule, Abraham remained faithful to God. His neighbors stopped laughing nine months later. They were shocked to see that many of Abraham's cows gave birth to twins and his sheep triplets. Cows rarely have twins. It's considered historic when they do. Immediately, everyone understood that this miracle came from a higher power. After the Maasai witnessed Abraham's faithfulness, they approached the union president, Pastor Godwin Lickendile. 
and said, We want to tithe too. Pastor Godwin was amazed and said, Are you Adventist? They replied, No, but we want God to bless us just like he's blessing Abraham. And praise the Lord, nine months later, their cows had twins too. Here is something else amazing. Every time a thief would steal any of Abraham's cattle, the cows would always return home, as if guided by unseen hands. Now thieves fear stealing from Abraham. I praise God for Adventist World Radio. Abraham credits AWR for changing his life. Everyone sees that the more he gives, the more he is blessed. Thanks to Abraham's testimony, today over 80 Messiah have accepted Jesus and have been baptized. And all of them now listen to Adventist World Radio. These kinds of miracles not only happened a long time ago, they are happening today. Our Heavenly Father is ready to multiply your blessings. The unreachable are being reached by Adventist World Radio. Together, we can finish the work. We need your faithful prayers and dedicated support. We all can look forward to the day when we see the fruits of our labor and praise God for allowing us to be part of His good work. This is AWR 360. Isn't that an exciting story? Can you imagine how God blessed? I believe if our church members around the world could get that concept, that God will pour them out that blessing that we're, he says you'll be unable to receive it. Actually, it's true. And that's what Abraham found out. We just There's plenty, plenty, plenty for God's work to go forward and to be finished all around the world as we work together and pray. And God will bless. He will lead, I'm sure. I'm so excited to be working with with uh, ASI and 3ABN and, and AWR, we have a project that we have just voted to work with, with Light, which is a, an ASI project over in Sikkim. <laughs> that's from a, a farm boy. That always sounds kind of funny to me, you know, because that's, well, we would tell our dogs to sick the cows sometimes. But this is, this is a, a country which is, is, well, it used to be a country. It's North India. It's a state now. It's up in the Himalayas. It borders Tibet and Nepal and Bhutan. In that area, the work has gone very, very slow. And so there's a project we want to work with some of the religious leaders up in Sikkim and also over in Bhutan, right in the capital of Bhutan with our medical message with ASI and with AWR. And then we'll branch into Bible message. Actually, what has happened, we, we, we've started working there for a secret weapon, that's what we call her, uh, about, oh, let's see, I guess a year ago. She, um, it's quite an exciting, thrilling story, but she is working with us in both countries, and, and she has a group of people, two groups, two little churches that have started up over in Bhutan. Well, what happened? They shut everything down with this lockdown, and so... We were blessed again. It seems to me that every time we Satan throws something like this at us, it's like the lockdown, God turns it into a blessing for his people all around the world. So now, instead of just two churches, we have seven because they all had to go to different homes. And they take the, 
the AWR sermons, they, they take the ASI sermons that we put together, the TMI, they have them on the cell phones, and they share those and on, also on the, on the podcast and the God Pods. It is thrilling to see what is happening as they work together. What a time to be alive. Just think of what is happening around the world. We're so excited to be able to partner with, with ASI and, and 3EBN. 3EBN is such a, a blessing to AWR. It's just a, a thrill to see what is happening. Let me share if something is going to begin. The rise of an international pandemic, polarizing global politics, the mismanagement and corruption, increasingly destructive natural disasters. Bushfires in Australia are a warning of what may be to come around the world. What does it all mean? What does the future hold? Join international speaker Kami Utman on a journey for answers in unlocking Bible prophecies. In her travels around the world, she's come face-to-face with real-life struggles, but in the midst of them, she's found miracles of hope. Join Kami Utman for Unlocking Bible Prophecies as she shares how Bible prophecy is being fulfilled faster than ever before. Just, uh, well, actually, it's called Unlocking Bible Prophecies. It's a series on prophecy that begins in just over a week, on the 31st. Think about this. No matter where you are in the world, any time zone around the world, 7 p.m., it begins. It's live, 7 p.m., no matter where you're at. Our speaker we have chosen is Kemi, our vice president, Kemi Uthman. Kemi, just not long ago, had her own business. She she had uh, yuppie puppies, it was called, and she had 20,000 items on on the internet on, on, on Amazon that she sold and she did very well with this business. God touched her heart because her daddy, he was praying for her. He, he had been a pastor, retired and, and taught her to do evangelism. And she immediately started preaching. She did 350 evangelistic meetings. So this lay person, Kemi, our vice president, is the speaker who will be presented all around the world. We are expecting at least a million hits, a million visits and more. As it rose through the world, pray that God will use Kemi in a mighty way. Many, many hearts will be touched. They'll make decisions for Jesus as we together fulfill the gospel commission to go into all the world and preach and teach and baptize. And then the end will come. I want Jesus to come. I'm sick and tired of living on this old ball of mud. I want Jesus to come. Thank you so much, ASI, for allowing me to be on your board for the last 16 years. It's been such a blessing to me personally. Thank you. It's great to work together. And thank you, 3EVN, for being such a blessing to AWR and ASI, all of us as partners together. By working together, this work can be finished and we can get off of this old ball of mud and go home. I'm ready, aren't you? Thank you.
Earlier today, Brian, we were uh, talking about your one of your patients, Stephen. Can you tell us the rest of the story? <laughs> okay, Dental. <laughs> so uh, those of you that were tuned in earlier, I mentioned a patient of mine uh, named Stephen who was um, younger than 40 years old. Um, his father had already died of a heart attack at that age, and uh, he was had every risk factor for heart disease. And just because of the power of a simple prayer, Stephen was able to make radical changes in his lifestyle, get off all of his medications, start back to church, improve his marriage, change his job, and just really it revolutionized um, his life. Mm -hmm. um, five years later, I stopped seeing him as a patient because he was had no medical problems on the mm -hmm. lifestyle that he had picked yeah. up, a plant-based diet, free of tobacco, free of alcohol, exercising, lost the weight. And so he didn't need to go even see a doctor besides for preventive checkups. Five years later, Lindy and I were visiting through what we call in our area a homorama. This is an area where um, home builders will build out their very best large luxury homes around a subdivision. And uh, you can pay a fee. We were given tickets by a realtor friend and you can go tour these homes. There'll be seven or eight of them. And each one has a host. And uh, 20, 30 people will walk in the entrance of these homes and the, the host will say something like, this home is built by builder, uh, Mr. Jones, and it's uh, 8,000 square feet with marble everything. And it's, but so 30 of us walk into the lobby. There's this clean cut gentleman that's in there, welcomes us in and he starts the spiel. And all of a sudden in the middle of the spiel, he just stops and he looks at me. He says, I know you, wait. You're my doctor. <laughs> and so here we are, 30 people gathered in the lobby. Lindy and I are there. And he changes gears completely. Forget the home with all the marble and all the everything, $1.5 million place. He starts saying, this is the doctor who prayed with me. It changed my life. I used to weigh 300 pounds and have diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And I... He prayed with me and it set me free. I stopped smoking and didn't smoke from that day. I stopped drinking. I changed my diet and I now follow a plant-based diet. It got my wife and I together where we attended church and it changed my whole life. Amen. And I just couldn't stop but think. It just even still gets uh, tears in my eyes thinking that this is the power of the three angels messages Amen. at work. I was convinced um, at that time that this wasn't even about Stephen. It was God speaking to me that by following these, what we've been talking about so far today, the three angels messages that we have practically put into place by following the principles of the health message that it is going to turn our world upside down. And Stephen was just a short example. I've not had anybody else make such radical changes by one simple prayer. I've had Patients become baptized. I've had patients follow with a prayer. Then they started studying um, good diet through a CHIP program at our church. And then they started Bible studies. With Stephen, it was like an almost instantaneous conversion because of the power of prayer. 
And it's kept me on this journey of realizing we need to to pray with our patients. Mm -hmm. But it's also made me realize that they will become the best evangelists for the gospel. Mm -hmm. When our patients see their lives changed, just as we saw happening in Africa with lives changed, when we saw in the community with just putting a charcoal poultice on someone's foot and their lives were changed, they become advocates of the gospel. I've seen it at Amen Clinics. I've um, seen it multiple times where patients will come in, they'll be treated, we'll pray with them, and they will just stop and say, what church do you belong to? I want to be a part of that church. They don't know our doctrines, but they see love in action. And there is a quote um, from Christ Object Lessons, page 415, that I just wanted to, to work in. Um, The last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. The children of God are to manifest his glory. In their own life and character, they are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. Each of us has the opportunity to witness. We each have a testimony to give. Um, We have something to share. And if we will just realize that wherever we've been planted, not necessarily don't have to be as a physician or a nurse or a dentist, but as a banker, mm-hmm. as a teacher, no matter where we've been planted, if we could just break out of this concern that people are going to think I'm weird because I share my faith, the reality is they're looking for people to share their faith. Amen. And they're looking for questions in these times. And so we have a tremendous opportunity. We've been challenged all day today to think about even though we're under lockdown and we're under quarantine, fortunately it's starting to lift a little by little, but is there still opportunities to share our faith? There is. And as we did, there's mm-hmm. one thing that we had the opportunity to do that I've started doing with my patients. Um, started off with uh, uh, my wife and, and Pastor Finley and his daughter, Rebecca, who works uh, with Amen, um, started uh, creating a little educational pamphlet that then got picked up by the the world church and became signs of the times. And so these are available for churches, um, but I have these in my office. COVID-19 facing the crisis with confidence. It's just a series of health information, things that people can do in a practical way um, to be healthy and to avoid the virus, or if they get the virus to fight it off better. Mm -hmm. But even if the very worst thing comes to be prepared no matter what happens. And so how have you guys uh, been able to share during this time um, as you've been under lockdown? Well, we've really liked that magazine as well, uh, Brian. We actually put that, we actually put it in our bank lobbies. We're not open yet, so we're ready for them. So when it, when it does open up, we're going to have that in our lobbies. But we actually, Don and I, mass mailed this to everyone in our in our area and put it to every post box box because mm-hmm. we felt very strongly that we need to, we have this hope. That's we excellent. have a hope. Yes. You know, I had a, um, I had a, a customer who practically her business was shut down. She had no employ, employment. She had no business. And she, I was talking to her and she started tears and she says, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, and I, I talked to her and encouraged her. And, um, and at the end of the, I, I gave her that magazine. And after that, she's texted me and says, thank you so much. I appreciated the opportunity to get this magazine. It's been such a blessing to me. 
And so it's amazing. You know, all it takes is a little piece of literature. All it takes is a, a prayer, a glow track. A glow track. Uh, Donna has an experience that happened to her with a glow track. Oh, I do have a testimony about a glow track. Right before this lockdown, and when, yeah. still when you were able to fly on airplanes, I was on a flight. And in my purse, I had a glow track, actually a pack up the glow tracks. And, you know, God told me to put them in my purse and take them with me. And anyway, I'm on the airplane. I get my Bible out, my remnant study Bible that mm-hmm. Denzel had given me for Christmas this year that I absolutely loved. And I was reading it. And it was a long flight. And as I was reading the, my Bible, I noticed the stewardess, she kept going by and she kept looking at me and she was saying, what are you reading, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I probably read it for three hours, my Bible. And you know, that, that little voice that you hear, I heard that voice. And God just spoke to me and he said, Donna, this is your opportunity. You need to give her those glow tracks. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, okay. So I'm thinking, now when's going to be the right time, right? So I'm praying. And, and I said to Denzel, if you see her come by again, please let me know because I want to give her this, these glow tracks. And so right before the plane ends, isn't that the way God works? It's mm-hmm. timing right at the end. Anyway, she comes by and I said, you know, I have these tracks of uh, Bible studies, and I said, they're little, they're compact, and I'd love to give them to you if you would be interested. And she said, I would love them. And she says, in fact, I promise you, I will read them. Amen. And I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that was so easy. It wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about us, you guys. It's about <laughs> Him. If we just step out, it's a lot if, easier it, than we right, think. Right, it's right mm-hmm. if we just step out. And, you know, as I got off the airplane, she said to me, she said, I will see you in heaven. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, it was worth the whole flight to be mm-hmm. able to share Jesus. And this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is what ASI is all about. Well, we're almost to the end. What a beautiful program. All the beautiful testimonies that we've heard, the beautiful music, the speakers. We have been divinely inspired to do more for Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just love you and we long to be in heaven with you. We're looking forward to that day when you come to take us back home, that forever home that you prepared for us. Again, we ask you to be the witnesses that we should be. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, please join us because we're not over with yet. And we look forward to seeing you soon.